We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next hour and 15 minutes, I am your voice. This is Anthony Harold of Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Coming to you remotely live from the Score at Hyundai Studios. Taking you up to DePaul basketball tonight on The Score. You will be able to hear the Blue Demons as they are off to an extremely hot start so far this season. Six and one on the season. It's DePaul men's basketball. They were able to defeat Rutgers just a, a few games ago. Less than a month ago, they took down Rutgers, who's been an extremely competitive Big Ten squad. They've been making the NCAA tournament. So it's a big win for DePaul then, but they've continued rolling. They are coming off a defeat against Loyola just a, a few afternoons ago. So they got Duquesne. Coming in tonight to Wintrust Arena, you'll be able to hear that game tonight on the score. After I finish up, I'll take you up to DePaul pregame here. But between now and then, there will be plenty to get into. There will be, as I tweeted out a few moments ago, all kinds of Bulls discussion, talking some Io DeSumo. Great guests on the line who will be joining me in the time that I have with you this evening as well. Going to have Jeremy Werner of the Illini Inquirer on with me in just a bit to talk some I.O. and talk some Illini hoops. And also, Caitlin Sharkey, a friend and co-worker of mine from over at Fox 32. The Bears coverage I do over there for them on there with Sharkey quite a bit. She has been back to traveling and being on the road, being around the Bears and covering the teams. We'll talk some Bears later on in this hour with Sharky, uh, but before we get to any of that, I do because of uh, yeah, I'm kind of at the point in my calendar where um, you know we're we're in December, we're towards the end of the year. I do as a public service announcement want to remind folks to make sure you're getting all those little uh little in- insurance tidbits taken care of, whether it is visits to the eye doctor that you that you get on an annual basis that are included in your insurance coverage, visits to the dentist. I got my dentist visit in today after like the one I mentioned. When I was on with uh, Lawrence Holmes, uh, I was on with Loho. What? Well, actually, last Monday. Yeah, last Monday I was on with Lawrence, and I was just coming from a trip to the dentist. That was more of an emergency thing because I have this. Uh, really, I got two chipped front teeth towards the front of my mouth, like two small chips in my teeth, and I needed to go have like an emergency dentist visit to take care of one of them because I do a decent amount of TV and 
didn't want to, you know, want to be there with uh, an additional piece of my teeth missing. So I went and got that taken care of, but had like my, my annual, like yearly cleaning or six months cleaning, whatever it is, the insurance cover. So just a public service announcement, uh, reminder, make sure you go out there and get that stuff done. Cause I, I always get to this point in the year and it's December and late December and I'm still scheduling appointments for this and that, trying to squeeze it in as my schedule starts to level out a little bit uh, with the college football season starting to come to a close. So all you folks out there who are in a similar situation to me, reminder, go ahead and get that done. I, I can feel some of you out there right now scrambling to the, the calendars on your phone trying to see when you need to get that in. So you're welcome. Make sure you make that happen. Uh, the text line, the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. You can text me at 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. Not going to do a bunch of open phone lines since we've got a, a more of a brief show tonight. But we'll see. We may get some texts in later on here uh, before I get out of here. For DePaul Hoops, the guests who will join me in a bit will be joining me on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casinos in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And on the ones and twos for me this evening, an individual I am working with for the first time tonight. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know if Brian Callahan is the most experienced producer in the country. I don't know if this is his first time running the board at any radio station in his entire life. But whatever is happening here, I know it is going to be a a fantastic 75 minutes one way or another that I'm going to get to work with Mr. Callahan here. But Brian, go go ahead and crack the mic. I want to do a quick little getting to know you uh, since this is our first time doing this together. How? Because I remember I got a text from you what, just maybe about a week and a half or two weeks ago, the first time we thought maybe the schedule was going to pair us up and then, you know, we kind of recognize, all right, it, it's actually not that night. So this is our first official show that we're doing together. Have, have you, you ever done this before? Like I've, you normally I've, an air traffic controller? Like, <laughs> well, you know, is this your first foray into things? Tell me about yourself. No, no. So uh, actually, uh, it was like a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I reached out to you because you were the name on the schedule. You were supposed to be hosting that night per mm. our overlords. And turns yeah. out, nope, nope, uh, Mark Grody took the reins that night. So As he yeah. does, man. Gr- Grody's always around. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah, so on Groats a lot more than you can count on me. That's how he <laughs> rolls. That's how he gets down. So anyway, yeah. I uh, anytime you wanna you wanna chat, get an opinion, whatever. Um, I'm more than willing to pop on for you. Okay, so you, you don't mind cracking the mic. All right, that's good to know. What what are your allegiances? Are are you Sox? Are you are you Cubs? Are you really into the Bears? You really into the Blackhawks? Well, what is your what is your backstory? So for the most part, uh, Bulls. NBA basketball tends to take the cake for me. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I kind of came of age, you know, as a kid during the uh, the second three-peat. So Jordan, Pippen, Ooh. Rodman, some of those right. memories. I pretty much have the uh, NBA on NBC theme emblazoned into my brain. <laughs> Don't we all? Right. So, all yeah, right. that's, that's kind of number one. Obviously, Bears. Uh, I do a lot of the Bears audio, like, for game day at oh, the station. Nice. So, you all know, right. definitely a, right. a Bears fan. And then, sorry, Southsiders, I'm a, I'm a Cubs guy. Oh, man. All right. We, we were rolling. We, we were grooving. <laughs> we were vibing until that moment right there. But yeah. I'm sure everyone will, uh, will come to know and love you despite that. All right, we're looking forward to the next hour plus that we have here. So th- this is right in your wheelhouse then because everybody saw what took place last night. Everyone at the station was all excited about it. I know various shows I was listening to throughout the day, whether it was Mully and Hogg, you know, Bernstein with, with Layla off with Bernstein and Rahimi. Obviously, Lauren Sloho was talking about it in the afternoon, and I know that Danny and Matt just got done talking about not only just the Bulls win, 
the the sort of big picture aspect of, of what it meant to to not have DeMar DeRozan in the lineup and and to be able to sort of proceed without him offensively and, and what that would mean for the Bulls and, and still being able to pull that out against the, the Denver Nuggets of all people. And now, you know, Denver hasn't been playing at their at their potential championship type level so far this season, but still tough team, tough out, outstanding offense and, and able to get that done. No Alex Caruso as well, but still to hold them under 100 points and play the brand of dogged defense that they were able to play without two of their main cogs. Like Caruso isn't part of their big three, but we've talked so much so far this NBA season about the, the struggles of, of what's been going on with Vooch and Nikola Vucevic to, to be able to, to, to go at one of his buddies, you know, to, to be able to go at the reigning NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, in the way that he did and just go kind of toe-to-toe with him. And, you know, Jokic isn't a guy that you're necessarily, necessarily going to shut down by yourself. And even if he's not necessarily either shooting the ball well or if he's passing up on shots and looking to set other folks up, he's going to be able to distribute. And he was doing an, an effective job of that last night, as he normally does. But that being said, to to be able to watch Vooch go back at him in the way that he did, I, I thought was just fun to see that aspect of without DeMar DeRozan in the lineup, you know, it's the, the first real look at that at an, an aggressive, a healthy Vooch and what he looks like, especially going up against one of the other top big men in the NBA and not having DeRozan available to the Bulls offense and just seeing Vooch and Jokic just going at it up and down the court, trying to outdo each other over and over again. And Vooch didn't back down from that challenge at all. He's accustomed to that. This is not his first rodeo. And so I, I found that to be a really fun, really cool aspect of the game last night. In addition to Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. And, you know, I think, We've seen enough seasons of what Zach Levine is in a Bulls jersey, and you know, I've talked in, in detail really for a couple of seasons now, especially when the new Bulls brass came in, when AK, when Carter Chauvis took this thing over, and they do their due diligence, as as any good executive should, when they're evaluating talent and trying to determine what they feel the roster should be, what it should look like moving forward. And so they, you know, there were there were no immediate decisions made, no pronouncements about Zach Levine as the future of the Bulls. But he puts together his first true All Star season last year, and I think he's certainly All Star caliber uh, before last year. Also, kind of like like Roquan or Roquan Smith, I think definitively will make the Pro Bowl this year, perhaps All Pro, that sort of thing. Where he certainly played at that level to do it last year. I think we're, we're seeing sort of a similar emergence with Roquan that we've kind of seen Zach Levine going on just season over season here in Chicago, his game ramping up, his productivity improving, his efficiency really coming to another stratosphere here. And so the year before he officially made the NBA All-Star game last year, we saw him the previous season being on the cusp of that. And so when you're on the cusp of it, especially when you're not on a great team, then it can take that that year to kind of put everybody on notice before you really get the full recognition of fan voters and of your, your peers around the league and them just knowing that, yeah, you're, you're that level of player. You, you deserve those accolades. And so we saw Zach finally get that recognition last year, and I, I sort of I view that along similar lines. I view that on a parallel path to what we're seeing Roquan Smith go through with the Bears. He was obviously a, a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker, one of the best in the business last year. Didn't get voted in the Pro Bowl, but – now I think that's going to be a, it's going to be hard to 
to assume that that won't happen for him this year with the level of play that's happening now for consecutive seasons, even though the Bears as a group and, frankly, the Bears as a defense aren't stellar this year. But Roquan is is certainly a guy who's put the, the nation on notice, and he's got another opportunity coming up on Sunday Night Football against Green Bay to take advantage of a, a national stage to showcase his playmaking ability. So all those other things that I reference here, the storyline that stood out chief amongst all of those was, of course, the first career start of former Illini great Io DeSumo. And I, I'm not sure, I, I may, by the, by the next time I'm hosting here, I may even take a look and just get a sense for whatever the list of like the, the greatest second round picks in NBA draft history are, you know, I think it's, it's early to kind of to put IO 25 games into this thing in that <laughs> class yet. But I, I do believe that, that what we're seeing here early in his career, and especially coming off his first career start last night, it's just, it's a special story to see that obviously because of the Chicago tie in that's there. And there, there's actually an article I was reading in a, uh, in, uh, B-Ball writers. It was from last year, actually, just in, in sort of describing when I would assume, because after his sophomore year, like he was you know an outstanding true freshman for the Illini a few seasons ago for Illini basketball. And in a couple of minutes, we'll talk to Jeremy Werner of Illini Inquirer and be able to go into some of these things in a little more detail. But, you know, all Big Ten freshman team, honorable mention all Big Ten. And then his sophomore season where, you know, felt apparent like he could have gone to the league after his freshman year and potentially been a one-and-done guy, but he would have been fairly marginal as far as his draft stock at that point. So he came back, improved all aspects of his game as a sophomore, and was in the, you know, if Luca Garza wasn't, wouldn't have been like the nation's leading scorer and double-double machine for Iowa, then Io as a sophomore may have been the Big Ten player of the year. And then, you know, COVID hits and everything else that happened. But he came back again after, after his sophomore season. And during his junior year, there were a few things. And one quote that was in uh, this article by Jalen Dixon I was reading on bballwriters.com where one of the quotes from Io that he said to NBC Sports Chicago was, I just want to bring good days back for basketball at Illinois. And I want to be one of the cornerstones to start it off. And in that year, two seasons ago for the Illini, where they were on the cusp, they were just one game out of sharing the Big Ten championship with, with several other Big Ten teams. And then this past season, when he came back for his junior year, and he again improved in every aspect of his game, we, we saw that. And I think that coming back for that third season, even though going into this draft, I feel like part of what hurt him perception-wise was being an older player, and teams tend to prefer the folks who are still teenagers and got the big upside and are, you know, frankly, better athletes, more elite athletes than Io is. Io is certainly an above-average athlete for his position, but looking for the guy who's maybe more 6'8", maybe more that 45-inch vert as opposed to wherever Io is with it. But I think we've seen the level of maturity that three seasons of college basketball provide for a talent like Io DeSumo, what that means here early in his NBA career and maximizing what he brings to the table. So we'll take a time out and we'll come back. We'll be joined by Jeremy Werner of IlliniInquirer.com and be able to get some perspective because I think, you know, not only will Jeremy, I'm sure he's been watching closely what's been going on here early with the Bulls, but I think it'll be informative just to, to get his thoughts and his info on the path that this Chicago native, this Morgan Park prospect, what he did every season of his Illini career, and then where, how that informs what we're seeing very early in Io's time here with the Bulls. We'll do that next. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. You are listening to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. Four guard from Chicago, number 12, Ayo Dezumu. Pretty cool moment. You think about, uh, you know, I was talking with Brian Callahan, producer here, a few minutes ago, and just through the lens of, you know, through our lifetimes, just thinking of what Bulls starting lineups, what those intros sound like, and of course, you know, you think back to the MJ arrow from North Carolina and, and what that meant, or even just the various centers that were there. Obviously, Will Perdue, who's a part of the Bulls coverage at this point, Bill Cartwright when I was a younger kid, or even Bill Weddington, the starting center, the man in the middle, and just moments like that. But, of course, with Derrick Rose, you specifically had this Chicago-area product who was here as a starter, as a great player for the Bulls, an eventual NBA MVP, and saying that he's from Chicago, and so it was such a cool moment for this Morgan Park product, Iowa DeSumo, making his first career start, doing it at the United Center, and not saying, you know, nothing wrong as he addressed with the media afterwards. Nothing wrong with saying he's from Illinois, but specifically him being from Chicago and being in the starting lineup for the Bulls. That was a pretty special moment. Hopefully, we'll see, man. If things continue down this road, we may hear it quite a few more times at the UC throughout the career of Io himself. So to help provide a little bit of perspective, not only on just what we've seen through 25 games in Io's Bulls career, but the man who covered him really closely throughout his collegiate career with the Illini is Jeremy Werner. We normally bring Jeremy on. We're talking football, talking Illini. We may get into some Illini hoops on the back end of this discussion, but definitely wanted to to have Jeremy provide some, some Illini Io perspective on what we're seeing so far. He is a part of the 24-7 Sports Network of IlliniInquirer.com. You can find him on Twitter at jwerner247, and he joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Jeremy, how are you, man? Anthony, you're doing well, man. Thanks for having me, and thanks for playing that. I was covering uh, Illinois-Iowa last night, so I didn't get a chance to, to hear that. And, and, and sorry for your Hawkeyes loss there, but um, yeah, I didn't get to hear that. That's a, that's a really cool moment. I know uh, some Illinois fans are like, hey, you didn't say Illinois, but, man, kid's a Chicago kid, man. Got to let him represent his city. So uh, what a cool moment. And, uh, you know, as, as somebody who's covered a lot of athletes, you know, some always stick out. And Iowa was always a pro, man. So um, to, to see all his hard work rewarded and, and pretty quickly in his NBA career has just been awesome to watch for us down here. Yeah, no doubt about it because the, you know, what what he meant for Illini basketball and putting the program back on the map and getting it back into that, you know, national discussion was was something that you you got to cover really close and was really fun for me to cover it as well on, on Big 10 Radio over on Sirius XM, but I think the the quick sort of tra- trajectory of his early NBA career here has caught myself and a lot of other folks by surprise by how effective he's been so quickly are there are there ingredients of of what he did with brad underwood with a basketball that indicated to you through you know three years of college that he could be a guy who could be this effective early in his nba career you know i might even be because i i tried to i know what the nba is i know how good the nba is so while a lot of a lot of fans want to see him in the starting lineup right away 
Um, you know, I, I thought he might have to go G League just because of the guard rotation that the Bulls have, how much money they spent on guards in the offseason. But I got to say, after covering three years of Io DeSumo just getting better and better and better and, and showing up for every moment, I, I, Anthony, I, I would hate to read to, to your listeners right now, but I was doing some background work on some of the stories we wrote on Io uh, preparing for this. And uh, he had a big game winner at Michigan to put Illinois in first place in the Big Ten his sophomore season. And it just, he came into this place as kind of the savior. Illinois kept looking for saviors, whether it was Jeremy Richmond or Myers Leonard or Kendrick Nunn, right? Malcolm Hill. They were just looking for recruiting wins. Like Jalen Brunson was such a disappointing loss because they lost to Villanova in that one. They just kept looking for that. And, and Io just got all this hype because he's a great player, but it always, almost felt like it was unfair for him to have all that hype. And then he just lived up to it after every moment. There were setbacks. wasn't very good. Uh, the team wasn't very good as a freshman, but he was uh, showing moments, including a game winner against Michigan State that, that showed it. But um, he had this quote after beating Michigan in Chrysler Center, put Illinois in first place. He just said, I like to seize the moment, not looking into the future, not looking into the past, just seizing that moment at that time. That's what I try to do best. It helps me thrive in those big moments. Being from Chicago, I took a lot of those shots. It's just a kid who is prepared and who has an unbelievable mindset. He's got great talent, right? He's long. He's athletic. Uh, maybe not the best athlete at that level, but uh, he's fast. He's, he's unbelievable in the open court. Um, but he has just been instilled this mindset, and I give a lot of credit to, to his parents, um, who have really set up a great support system around him. But also Io, in general, just being so driven. Uh, he, he develops. He gets better at everything. But he's just a winner. He, he's just got a winning mindset. You know he's going to take care of business. You don't got to worry about him uh, doing this wrong or that wrong. Um, he's a great learner, and, and he just applies himself, and he's just a basketball junkie. So uh, I guess it's a long-winded answer to say I'm not surprised by anything he does at this point. I was surprised he fell to 38, to be honest with you. I thought he'd be uh, picked in the 20s, but I thought the Bulls got a steal at 38. Uh, and I think for Iowa, it might work out for the best because he gets to free agency quicker and gets that big money a little quicker. <laughs> All right. That's a good point. And after Io's sophomore year, like it was one thing after his freshman season where he's really good and we do see guys, you know, make that, that jump pretty quickly at this point, even if they haven't necessarily proven themselves as, as even a ready-made pro prospect after a freshman year. A lot of guys just make the leap because they can. Io didn't do that after his freshman year. And then even after his sophomore year where he had really proven himself as a, as a legit commodity at the collegiate level and certainly a pro prospect – came back for one more season. And I'm wondering, in, in what ways did you see, especially between that sophomore season and his junior year, in what ways did his game take an uptick? Yeah, I thought he's kind of a kid that understood the process, right? Like, he didn't, he didn't force uh, a jump to the NBA. He wanted to be ready so that when he made the NBA, whether it was second round, first round, because I think he would have been drafted maybe as a freshman, maybe would have been drafted after his sophomore year. But you knew he was going to be drafted uh, after his junior year. But most importantly – I think he knew he was ready uh, and that he could hit the ground running like he has. Uh, but he took a huge leap from his freshman to sophomore year and that he became one of the best mid-range jump shooters in college basketball that I have seen in recent memory. And, uh, you know, with DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Durant, I saw them going back and forth there. And that mid-range is kind of coming back, at least in Chicago. Uh, but then last year, his three-point shot went way up. I thought his defense was more consistent. He, he attacked the glass 
a little bit more. I thought he was better at, at uh, you know, distributing to his teammates. He just took a uptick in like every little category. Um, and that's what he does every year. Like uh, from his freshman to sophomore year, makes a leap. Sophomore to junior year, makes a leap. And you can see now uh, that, that he's taking a leap in his game. It's, it's because Andy, he, he studies the game and he works on his game along with his father so much. He takes the coaching really, really well. Like he studies like 80s and 90s basketball players. So like, if you brought up like Mitch Richmond or Mookie Blaylock, I'm sure he could like talk to you about those guys because he just knows the game uh, incredibly well. And it's kind of like a junkie in that way. So yeah, he took a big leap last year, especially with his three point shooting and man, he's shooting lights out in the NBA. It's showing that it's, it's working out. He's kind of had this set shot, but he, he makes it work, man. And uh, he's just taking his game to another level and he just became, you know, he had this hype as a first team preseason all American and he lived up to it. That's not easy, right? It's it's not easy to do. And you know, early in the season before he had a, a head injury here, Andre Corbello was kind of struggling with with increased expectations, right? And 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 I think he'll be really good here once he gets back on the court. But I always just lived up to all these lofty expectations just because he put so much dang work into it. Jeremy Werner of Illini Inquirer, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, with me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And you, you referenced him responding to expectations, and it, it just seems like throughout his entire Illini career, he was a guy who, like you referenced briefly a moment ago, didn't mind taking big shots, and some elements of that were there even in high school coming out of Morgan Park. And I'm wondering, in the time where he's had you know, like you reference, he had to improve his long-range shooting even his junior year, and now he's hit big three-pointers in crucial moments yep. for the Bulls this season. Those late-game moments where he's taken over and hit big shots, and in what at what moment did you see that begin to emerge for him during his Illini career like we've seen so far early in a Bulls career? Yeah, it was early on. Like, he wanted those moments. He's always wanted those moments. His hero is Kobe Bryant. Um, and, you know, he, he studies that. And, you know, he made those big shots in high school, like you talked about. But, uh, you know, he didn't hit them all, right, at first. Mm. And, and Michael Jordan, despite, you know, let the lore, didn't hit every game-winning shot, right? <laughs> but he wasn't afraid to take them. Kobe Bryant wasn't afraid to take them. I would assume he was not afraid to take them. And there were some times he made the right pass uh, to make as well. And I, I think that's what uh, makes him really good is he understands moments. But, Man, like he hit, I think, seven game winners or go ahead jumpers in the final minutes his sophomore year. Uh, and, he, and he was just, in my opinion, he was the clutchest Illinois basketball player ever and one of the most clutch basketball players um, really in Illinois history. Uh, it, it's ridiculous every big moment he had. I mean, Michigan State, his freshman year, Michigan, uh, his. Uh, his sophomore year was it was a game winner, but there were so many shots in between there. Penn State, he came back from a knee injury and and hit big shot after big shot. A home game against Northwestern, I think he hit a thirty like a twenty five foot three pointer to kind of close that one out. So he's just always prepared for that moment, and and the reason is uh, is preparation. He, he's just worked so hard in those moments that he's he's got confidence in it. He's been a star since he was in you know junior high, high school, his freshman sophomore year, and. You know, those bright lights don't bother him. So I, I think some guys, if they were drafted in their home city, it might phase them, right? Like it might be a lot of pressure. There's more media attention on you for everything you do. I thought when the Bulls picked Iowa, i go, good, that'll make him even better because he relishes those bright lights. And for his first career start, I wasn't surprised that he had a really good game. And, and 
You know, he plays defense too, which is what uh, Billy Donovan loves. But um, yeah, he just he just relishes that spotlight. He relishes those moments because he's got confidence in himself to do it. And and I don't know how many rookies have that, but you know, playing three years of college basketball and excelling as much as he did, rather than just having one year and then it's a huge transition. Listen, a lot of these guys that he's playing against, first, second year, third play, third year players, is the same age as uh, at the NBA. So uh, he can kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, I really hope that there's prospects who are trying to make that decision about when's the right time to leave. Who may look to to Io DeSumo and, and taking what essentially was kind of an extra year, maybe one more year than he might have like quote unquote needed in college, and it, it seems to be leading to some enhanced success here early in his NBA career. You mentioned his defense and, you know, kind of that, that competitive temperament that's there. And I've certainly seen it. You, you referenced Illinois taking down my Hawkeyes last night. That was definitely there in some of those rivalry games that he had against Iowa. I'm wondering in what ways, like the, whether it's the work with his dad. We've heard Billy Donovan, just like Brad Underwood, used to talk about where Io doesn't mind being coached. How does the, the work he puts in with his dad, how does that correlate to, you know, getting coached hard by his coaches as well? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're a superstar athlete, right, everyone's telling you what you're so good at. Um, I, I think having a dad who is a, who's a coach, right, understood the process that, that players have to go through. Uh, I think we're seeing that right now with Coleman Hawkins, for, for people that haven't watched Illinois. His dad, Rodney, was uh, a really good Division One player at San Diego State. He was their leading scorer back in the late 80s, early 90s, I believe. And, you know, he's been a really good influence because – He's not like, hey, my son's a superstar. Like everything's good. The coach is wrong. You know, Q Desumu was was in Iowa's ear. You need to get better at this. You need to get better at this, and uh, that really helped him uh, along the way. But I also think his coaching at Illinois, like he was very receptive. Brad Underwood is not always the easiest person to to play for, and he he says that right because he's very very demanding. But I think playing for Brad Underwood, and Iowa said this last night, certainly prepared him. And I want I want to don't want to take any. Uh, credit away from Chin Coleman, uh, who's his guards coach here at, at Illinois, did a really good job developing him now, and, and now he's at uh, Kentucky. Uh, but you don't play for Brad Underwood unless you play a little bit of defense. And and I would assume I felt like sometimes in his career could have gave me more effort on that end and been elite. But like he learned that I need to play defense at this level, became pretty good at it, and he just knew like he studies the game, knows that if I want to play for Billy Donovan and a team that's competing. I have to defend. And it's it's so hard to find freshmen who do that in college basketball, right? But, like, Luke Goody, who's the freshman in Illinois, knows that I have to defend better if I want to play. So that's why he's playing right now. It's the same thing with Io Desumu as a rookie. It's like, yeah, a lot of guys can score and shoot at this level, but if you can be reliable defensively, you can get on the floor. And, and that's what I want to do, right? He wants a long NBA career, and his, his best way to start that well is to defend. And that's just his basketball intelligence, understanding the process. It's just he, he's – He's a really coachable guy, uh, and all the intangibles is why I was surprised uh, that he fell to number 38 because he's got the talent. Yeah, certain guys might be a, a little bit better of a score, more, more explosive at this part of the game, but just overall, I just knew I would assume it would be a really good investment because he's going to get better, and he's certainly shown that this year. Well, next time I get you on, Jeremy, we'll definitely talk some some current Illini hoops as well because they got off to a little bit of a slow start. We referenced some of the injuries, Kofi Coburn, suspension, Carbello with the head injury and whatnot. But looks like the Illini men's basketball team starting to turn a corner here. They're unranked at the moment, but I don't think that's going to last long. So we'll talk some Illini hoops next time too. 
Yeah, big game this Saturday against Arizona, and it's kind of their chance to kind of get back on track. Thanks for having me, Anthony. All right, Jeremy, appreciate you, man. That is Jeremy Werner. He is on Twitter at jwerner247. He is of IlliniInquirer.com, the publisher for that publication, and also part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Joining me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline. Take a time out, come back. We will transition to some bears with my girl, K-Rose Shark. We'll do that next here on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. Yeah, I mean, I've said, I mean, I've said that to almost every organization I've scored on. So, I mean... I mean that's real, you know. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what people think is being said out there. You know, there's a lot worse I've said. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we just got to stop them, and and you know, we got to get out here ready on Sunday, ready to play, ready to win. Simple as that. There's a voice, Bears tight end Jimmy Graham addressing the assembled media over at Hallis Hall, talking specifically about the upcoming opponent. It'll be on NBC Sunday Night Football as the Bears travel to Green Bay to face the Packers. His former teammate, Aaron Rodgers, of course, we all remember well what A-Rod was yelling at the Soldier Field crowd after he scored the decisive touchdown against the Bears when they came here a few short weeks ago. Jimmy Graham said, you know what? I've done worse. Well, I have done worse as well than having our guest on the hotline right now. Join me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline. The lady herself of Fox 32 Sports. She's an anchor and reporter. She can be found on Twitter and Instagram at K Rose Sharkey. Sharkey! What's happening? Caitlin Rose Sharkey with me on the score. What's happening, Caitlin? What's up? How are you, big ass? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you making some time here. And, you know, obviously before Chicago, your time here, you were there covering the Packers organization closely as well. So we were able to get a few different perspectives on things. But I'm wondering the mm-hmm. the, the tone of things at Soldier Field, because you're there on a, on a weekly basis, nearly a daily basis. And throughout this season, and you know, with everything that's sort of swirled around the, the Bears, what's, the, what's your impression of, of whether or not Justin Fields, once he's healthy, is, is there a level of pressure you get, think the Bears feel to to get him back into the lineup before he's fully healthy? Or do you get the impression that they're they're going to be at least somewhat cautious with these ribs? I feel like they're going to be more cautious. I think they're playing it safe, so to speak. And, you know, Matt Nagy's talked at length about how his injury is pain tolerance at this point, and then Darnell Mooney said that if he is in pain, he's not showing any signs of it. So I think it's a working relationship between what they think, you know, Justin can do. And then obviously the pain tolerance. And then you're wondering, yeah, like why rush him out there, so to speak, because I don't know if we'd see vastly different results with him at quarterback, maybe not for interceptions, but I'm not putting those all on Andy Dalton as well. But I think it's a matter of just understanding because if he moves around well in practice and he can throw the ball, which he looks like he has been, it's a totally different story, though, going up there on Sunday night at Lambeau Field in a cold game and getting hit repeatedly. No doubt about that. And that the Packers, in the midst of a few defensive injuries, they've continued to play quality defense. I'm wondering for for the way that, you know, you have certain players, like Jimmy Graham was out there. He was nominated by the Bears for the, the NFL's Walter Payton Man of the Year. And I think for for Graham, for guys like like Roquan Smith and and even David Montgomery, some of the things where you you get to spend one on one time with some of these Bears for some of the exclusive interviews you do for Fox Thirty Two, 
do you get the sense that the players themselves are, are still engaged? Because that's part of the question that comes up around town, like whether or not the locker room is lost and things like that. Is your sense that the players are still engaged in trying to improve their performance? Absolutely. And I think sometimes people confuse, you know, and when I think of like their reaction to the loss on Sunday, specifically Roquan Smith is standing out in my mind is he's absolutely still engaged and sometimes frustration and that emotion and not really having much to say and just being frustrated, knowing you have to look ahead. That to me is being engaged because if they're just kind of like, well, this, you know, they were the better team. We were not, they don't have that attitude. So I think especially for the vets in that locker room, they, they understand like this is not the way things should be going. They understand they need to make changes. It's frustrating because it's happening more often than not. But I think they understand that they have a job to do. They want to succeed. They want to do well. And all of the distractions and all the things that have kind of transpired around this team and within and out of that locker room and in that locker room, I think they've done a good job keeping their focus and yeah staying engaged because it's not easy especially as you know big ant like you get to this point of the season your body hurts you're playing in more cold games and it's and then you're losing by double digits so there's a lot of factors that go into it but i have to say i think they're definitely engaged and they're remaining focused on trying to fix the problems that they have Caitlin Sharkey of Fox 32 with me on the score. David Montgomery was one that, that, especially after the game the other day, where he had some some fairly like fiery comments just about mm-hmm. you know what he expects of himself, what he's going to continue to sort of exhort out of his teammates, what he expects them to continue to demand of him. And he seems like an example, whether it's Montgomery, Roquan, who you referenced, even Darnell Mooney, some of the younger guys on this roster, it does seem like they're starting to take more agency in trying to be leaders for the Bears. Are you having an observation as you get to see them in person on a regular basis? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, thinking about David Montgomery's postgame press conference, like sometimes you get that from David, right? It like comes in flashes, but that one to me like spoke volumes because he does care. And it was like his press conference was exactly the way he played. Like he just refuses to give up. He wants, you know, he wants to hold people accountable and he wants to hold his teammates accountable, but you need guys like that because some of their veteran leaders have been injured and not really around and not in these games with them and not losing these games with them. When you think about guys like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and things like that. So they're removed from the situation. So absolutely they need guys, especially on the offense, I think, from David Montgomery to kind of say, this is what we need to do. This is not working well. Um, and understand, like, it, not all is lost. The sky is not falling. But they also have to understand what continues to go wrong and what problems that they continue to have. So I appreciated his, you know, fiery comments because sometimes it goes one of two ways, Big Ed, in postgame. You know, it's either silence or fire, and I prefer the fire. <laughs> <laughs> One of my teammates on Bears Post Game Live, Caitlin Sharkey of Fox 32 on Twitter at K-Rose Sharkey. Also see her on Bears Unleashed. I work with her, Gabe Ramirez, every Friday on Unleashed. She's on Sports Sunday for Fox 32 as well. And you had a one-on-one with Robert Quinn last week mm-hmm. on Fox Kickoff Sunday. And to be able to talk to him coming off of the NFC Defensive Player of the Month award that he was voted on, I'm wondering – what, what are your observations of, of what's made his game so much more effective this season than what we saw last year? I think, well, I, I asked him that because I, I said, you know, Robert, it's clear to see the numbers are much better this season. What was going on? Like, what do you credit that to? And I was thinking in my head, okay, he's going to say he's healthier, he feels better. 
And he says, I'm happy. And I think, you know, and then I asked him, like, I think sometimes when it comes to sports, especially football, that's kind of like people don't think about that. If you're not in a good headspace and when he joined the team, it was a tough year to join a team. It was he was banged up. He wasn't feeling well. And if he wasn't happy, you're not going to perform well. So I think it's just a combination of things for him. And they've needed to rely on him more. And he stepped up in that occurrence. And it was just it was fun to hear him say, like, yeah, I appreciate the award, but. At the same time, if I was doing bad, you guys wouldn't care. He just has such a level-headed, like, yeah. Like, if I'm doing bad next month, you guys aren't going to be talking about me. So he just has, you know, a good perspective on all things. But I appreciated his, you know, candidness about just how being happy has helped him be a better football player this year. And Packers fans, most times they face the Bears here in recent memory. They they tend to have the, the game and the result of the game make them fairly happy, whether it's going from the Brett Favre era through now <laughs> – this Aaron Rodgers era, and it's it's been more more good than bad from the Packers' perspective when they face the Bears. And I'm wondering, in, in your time in Wisconsin, especially in covering the Packers, one thing that stood out to me, like my, my rookie year, the majority of it I spent in Green Bay before getting signed by the Lions. And I'm what stood out to me, what surprised me even was even, you know, that was, you know, as, as Brett Favre was kind of still kind of coming towards the back end of his prime and just being around Green Bay and they had songs like, you know, they had this like the Bears still suck, like this little polka type song <laughs> that was apparently a big deal around town. I, I would have thought that sort of the 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 verve from the Packers fans perspective, I would have thought maybe they wouldn't care as much, but it's still a big deal for them. This rivalry between Green Bay and Chicago and Packers fans just relish the opportunity to still rub this thing in from all the coverage you did of it and, and growing up around it. What was, what was your observations of how Packers fans still view this rivalry with the bears? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes the rivalry special. And, you know, you know, sometimes in TV, we love to throw it around and it is one of my favorite weeks, regardless of how it's kind of gone in the past seasons for that reason, because people just, even though it's been a bit lopsided as of late, it's still such a fun rivalry for both fan bases. And I mean, I still, to this day, when I left Wisconsin and covered the Packers for seven seasons, and then I came here, I'll post something of like my lunch or dinner and somebody will be like, the Bears still suck. They'll just respond that to me. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, like it is just, it's such a special rivalry. And I'll be like, this is irrelevant to my post, but thank you for that. And, but you have to appreciate that. So it doesn't matter how many times the Packers beat the Bears or, you know, if the Bears can beat the Packers. It's just, it's, it's always there. That fire and that rivalry is always there. It's fun. And now for you, like your second season covering the Bears, I think back to, you know, so two seasons ago or last season or however we would term it, where obviously it was the COVID year. You didn't get to hit the road with the team. You didn't get to necessarily mm-hmm. be at Hallis on a daily basis. Does it feel like this is kind of more you, – you had kind of the appetizer last year. For you just being kind of a, a part of the sports media in Chicago, does this year feel more like what, what you were kind of hoping it would be when you took the gig? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this year has been completely different and much more fun. And it, it's fun to see again and feel the energy of stadiums and all of those things. And especially weeks like this, like for Sunday night football. I mean, it's not the same watching it in a studio. And then when you're going to Lambeau on Sunday night to watch Packers Bears, it's, it's, it made me appreciate it and then understand, like, I'm not taking this for granted because that season we didn't do any of that felt so far removed. 
Well, it has been awesome working with you so far this season, even though the results on the field for the Bears haven't been what everyone hoped for. Is anything coming up later in the week that is worthy of you previewing? Do you know yet who you're getting your one-on-one with or anything like that for uh, some of the shows coming no, up? No, not coming yet. Not yet. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see what I get. And I'm, I'm, I'm just – I. it's fun this week to kind of hear the different perspectives and game plans and then read, you know, the coverage of both sides of this rivalry and understand. So I'm looking forward to – seeing who I get one-on-one for our shows and, you know, looking forward to putting together a fun unleashed because it is one of the, the more fun rivalry weeks in football. Without a doubt. I know we'll be in studio Friday, making that happen. Me, you and Gabe, as always, that will be a pleasure. Looking forward to that. And thank you very much for joining me here this evening. Of course. Thanks for having me on big amp. All right. That is Caitlin Sharkey of Fox 32 on Twitter and Instagram at K Rose Sharkey. You can find her. I'm with her on Fridays for bears unleashed. And also Sundays, we do Bears post-game live. She's on, whether it's the Bears home or away, all throughout the day on Fox Kickoff Sunday and then post-game live and the Sports Zone and everything else. So she is of Fox 32 Chicago. When we return, i got a few minutes to go. I'm taking you up to DePaul basketball. Here's Zach Zabman. He's going to have DePaul pregame, and he'll obviously be on the call of the Blue Demons when they host Decane. But before that, some more Bears discussion on the way. And there was a discussion that happened actually earlier this morning on Mullion Hall with one of the top names in the football industry that I want to run back a little bit of that for you and react to it on the other side. We'll do that next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is the exclusive radio home of the Chicago Bulls. Ball, another left wing three. Yes! Back-to-back jacks! Lonzo Ball! We are Sports Radio 670 The Score. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The score. Ever since he's been hurt, I've been, I've been talking to him. Um, uh, I get um, keys on something that he, he, I mean, he has better eyes than me than I have out there. You know, he's he's looking at everything. I'm only, I can only see it as much as I can with my, you know, vision. But uh, I always come to him and ask him, like, yo, what, what could I do here? Or what do you see that uh, I don't see? Uh, so he gives me wise words. And um, I'm always, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that he's uh, he's helping me. few minutes to go here. 670 to score. Anthony Heron taking you up to DePaul men's basketball coverage. DePaul will host Duquesne. That game will begin at 730, but DePaul pregame will begin at 715 with Zach Zabman on the call, as he always is here on the score. So with that few minutes remaining, we're coming off the discussion. We started talking some Bears with Caitlin Sharkey. Just as an update, the Bears did uh, officially make a roster move specific to the practice squad where they – Release Rashad Smith, the linebacker from the practice squad, assigning what they're terming as a fullback. Ben Mason was a, a linebacker. Uh, I'm sorry, it was a, a tight end at Michigan during his career in college. And maybe they're making a, a similar maneuver like they made with J.P. Holtz, who, you know, like I've said a few times, I don't know if there's anybody around town that's heralded J.P. Holtz more than I have for seasons upon seasons, whether he has been lined up in line at tight end or at the wing position at H-back, and certainly when they do utilize him as a lead blocker from the fullback position, a spot that he didn't play in college. He was a tight end in college as well, but they did see some of that acumen that he had, the willingness to at least just run up in the hole and take on linebackers and whatnot, and the Bears run game has had a, a frequent amount of success when they've used J.P. Holtz in that capacity. So adding Ben Mason, who they're terming as a fullback, then hopefully we'll just take that as a good sign that at least they're adding 
some more physicality to the blocking schemes and the, the arrangements for what they're going to do offensively. I think that's a good move. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see a whole lot of eye formation, even you know, any more than we normally would. But one thing that lacked when J.P. Holtz wasn't available, there's been several games this year where he wasn't healthy enough to be out there. And so you kind of lose that from the offense because they didn't have anyone else who was accustomed to being tasked with being a fullback. You know, Jesse James doesn't do that. Overall, Cole Komet's got enough on his plate trying to figure out, you know, his pass protection responsibilities and, you know, catching the football cleanly and some of the things that he's still figuring out as a second-year player. Right now, J.P. Holtz up to this point has been really the only tight end slash fullback type that they've had on the squad here. So now they add another one in Ben Mason who will initially be on the practice squad here. So I think that's at least a, a worthwhile move. Earlier in the evening, actually, one other thing they did also was uh, some of the practice squad protections uh, for Week 14. They said Daz Newsom would be one of those as well as Thomas Graham Jr. So those of you who've been looking for, and a lot of folks have been hitting me up, whether it's been on social or calling in and various things that I do, whether it's been on Post Post with Olin Krutz or times that I host during the week or just part of the discussion that I have, whether it's on Mondays with Lawrence or Thursdays with Dan and Layla. A lot of folks are talking youth movement. Uh, The Bears, I don't think, are fully committed to the youth movement yet. That's why we haven't seen uh, Tevin Jenkins on the field, at least not as as an offensive tackle as of yet. Got a couple of snaps and special teams and some field goal and PAT protection the other day. But the Bears are easing him in just kind of, you know, again, he's he's in a position as Tevin Jenkins where he hasn't had the opportunity to actually work the sport of football in a live setting yet. And so I, I don't think that it, it, it makes sense to me. I don't think it would make sense for the Bears to just sort of automatically thrust him into the lineup, especially at left tackle, when the guy's barely hit anybody since college. So just the fact that he's reportedly healthy, and hopefully he looks healthy on the practice field, I presume he is since they've given him a couple of snaps in a game, but it's not as simple as just saying that this guy who's had multiple back surgeries since the last time he hit anybody in a live setting, that all right, now that we're, we're willing to throw some shoulder pads on him, so that means we should make him the starting left tackle, especially when the 39-year-old Jason Peters, one of the best who, to ever do it at left tackle, is playing well, is protecting your quarterback's blind side well. I do believe with the games remaining, we'll see Tevin Jenkins get an opportunity at some point. They may continue to ease him in more and more, but there, I continue to remind folks of this. There are things to be gained from just going through the process in the way that he's going through it. it the, the only way you improve is not only from playing in games. This is his first. The last three weeks is the first opportunity he's ever even really had to practice in the NFL. So there's folks out there talking about him basically going from not practicing in the National Football League and then just immediately putting him in regular season games, in midseason and late season regular season games against folks who are rushing the passer at a high level. Like Green Bay Packers are shutting folks out. In the, in the modern NFL, Green Bay has had shutouts this season. And you just want them to throw Tevin Jenkins out there while he's got to protect, whether it's Andy Dalton or especially if he's got to protect Justin Fields. That doesn't make any sense, people, unless they're confident he's actually ready for that. But you don't just throw caution to the wind just because you're eager to see your second-round pick on the football field. Circumstances have indicated that it hasn't made sense to put him on the field yet. So I, I do think we need some perspective. We need some context on how this youth movement may progress, how it may end up making sense. 
And one of the other things from a timing perspective that I think we need to keep some context on was discussed earlier this morning when Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was on with Mully and Haw this morning. One of the things that Florio was discussing, and you know, towards the end of the interview we had with Mully and Haw, they specifically asked him about the rule change that's come up here recently in the National Football League where now, with two weeks remaining in the regular season, teams have the opportunity to begin after you have either informed your current coach that you are moving on or after you have officially relieved him of his command of your football team that you can now begin interviewing other candidates. This is a change the NFL just made back in the past. A lot of this stuff had to happen under the table and back rooms and through back channels and everything else. They're trying to bring some of it above board just to give that opportunity for discussions to begin in an official and in a public capacity as opposed to everyone waiting around especially when you have teams going down these these playoff roads and maybe making a championship push and Eric B enemy type you know who's still focused on trying to you know make the playoffs help the Chiefs win a Super Bowl as their offensive coordinator and maybe he doesn't get the same types of opportunities to interview and to make the time for it maybe other franchises can't do it yet so they made this adjustment to the rules but let's hear specifically what Mike Florio had to say about the timing of this and whether or not it would end up leading to more coaches getting fired during the season. Well, you know, other than John Gruden getting run out of Las Vegas for reasons unrelated to wins and losses, we haven't had one this year. Yeah. So, and you know, one of the reasons we haven't had one, so many of the teams are alive. That's one of the benefits of parity. You, you don't have forks stuck into 25% of the league's teams at Thanksgiving. And you don't have teams, you know, how many teams are truly out of it right now? Truly done. Where no amount of getting hot late in the season is going to make a difference. Jacksonville, Houston, Detroit, and the Jets, right? Because even the Bears, if if they could go to Lambeau Field. Hey, they're out. Hey, they're in. They could get there. Until until 34 to 10 becomes final on Sunday night, they still have a chance. <laughs> watch right? anyway, right, Mike? Watch anyway. Once, once, please watch anyway. You never know what's going to happen. Anything can happen on Sunday night football. But, I mean, good Lord, the Texans beat the Titans a couple of weeks ago. You never know what's going to happen. But, but until teams are done, there's really no reason to do it. And there's two different schools of thought. You can discreetly begin doing your homework for the coaching search to come and keep the guy you have and hope that he doesn't find out that you're talking to people about who the next coach is going to be. Or you can do what the Packers did with Mike McCarthy a few years ago and just fire him out of respect to him because there was that big argument, remember? Oh, well, it's disrespectful to not let Mike McCarthy finish the season. Well, what's disrespectful is to know you're firing him and, and start the process of finding his replacement and not care whether or not he catches wind of it. That's what's disrespectful. So, you know, they gave him a head start on figuring out his next move. They got a head start. And I always, I, I'm just a firm believer. Once you know it's done, just end it. Yeah. It's not good for anybody if you continue it beyond that point where you have decided that it's over. I think it's a, an accurate observation by Mike Florida. The amount of teams, because you got the 17-game regular season and so many teams have been just sort of middling around things, just below 500. There's going to be a squad or a couple of squads that are still under 500 as I sit here and speak that end up making the playoffs in the NFC. And so with that, then I think you know some folks are still a little more hesitant about when and how to move on from their coach. But I do believe that especially because this rule is now in place where with two weeks to go that you can begin interviewing other candidates, then it, it gives that 
that sort of defined dividing line, that threshold for when it will make sense for that process to begin. Because frankly, what if, if the Bears end up deciding, let's say they've already decided it, that they're moving on from Matt Nagy, why would it make sense to fire him now? Who does that even benefit to fire him now when you know with two weeks to go in the regular season, that's when you can begin interviewing other candidates? I don't see what that actually helps. Who, who, who improves from that? You know, the, the big thing, and I've talked about it since his first season. I don't know if there's anybody in town that was on the whole Matt Nagy's play call that didn't go well before I was. But frankly, he's already given that up. So now him just overseeing the operation, trying to get rid of Matt Nagy right now, assuming that you're not necessarily doing all the back channel stuff. You know with two weeks to go, you can do that in a more official capacity. But I don't necessarily see any rush for the Bears to actually pull the, pull the trigger on that before it actually times out in a way that's beneficial, which it won't be beneficial, in my opinion, until they can legitimately begin interviewing candidates. All the back channel stuff, that can already be going on anyway. We will see how it all times out. We will, of course, have all of that for you on the score. My thanks to Jeremy Werner of Illini Inquirer for all the Io DeSuma discussion. And thanks, of course, to Caitlin Sharkey of Fox 32. Be uh, talking to both of them, especially be on the air with Caitlin this weekend after Sunday Night Football finishes up from Green Bay. My thanks to Brian Callahan. First time working with him on the ones and twos. Outstanding work in the hour and 15 minutes we got together. We get out of the way for Zach Zayman. DePaul Hoops on the way here. I'm Anthony Heron. This is The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.